Uh, we're going to talk about a winning strategy more than mind games. Okay, we're talking about more than just mental mind games of just trying to have positive thoughts and, and things like that. It's a lot deeper than that because we've already found out that our minds, our will, our emotions were corrupted by sin. We're sinners and we've been tainted. We can only do so good by ourselves. And even sometimes when we try to think good things and do good things, we do it for selfish motives, don't we? But for him to really remake our minds. And along with this, we're doing uh, small group studies based on Groeschel's new book, Winning the War in Your Mind. Uh, and tonight, probably in when the ones that are meeting here, we're going to be kind of picking up in the first section. And that's a little bit about what this message goes along with. And uh, we're going to be reading in Philippians chapter 4. So go ahead and find that. We're going to be looking in 2 Corinthians 10 as well. Uh, so you'll want to make a few notes. So tonight, if you're here, we're going to talk about a few of these things. So keep a few notes and we're going to be discussing a little bit of it. So uh, hopefully that'll help us to digest it and, and it become a deeper part of us than just hearing it this morning. Uh, in Philippians chapter four, Paul is writing and here's, here's, here's part of the winning strategy. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, let that sink in. Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, he says, think about these things. And then verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice, do these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. All right. So there's a great strategy right here. And so we understand there's a war going on. Now, sometimes we don't realize it. We just feel like, yeah, life's a struggle. Life's a battle. Uh, and we just think, well, that's just normal life. And we don't realize that there's actually a battle that's going on for your soul. Now, we've already talked about how your soul, that's the real you. And it's the eternal part of you. It involves your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's the real you, the you that's on the inside. That maybe other people don't really see, but God sees, and you know it's there. Sometimes, sometimes we refer to this as our heart. Because we use that phrase in our culture, and I talked last week a little bit about how, you know, it was used a little differently in Bible times, you know. Uh, we look at heart a lot of times as the seat of the emotions, but a lot of times we look at it as just like our soul, really. Uh, in fact, he, he gives us some more advice. I'm going to back up a few verses, okay, into verse 7. In verse 7, he says this, and the peace of God. Who doesn't need that peace, that inner tranquility? That we can only have from God, huh? I mean, people are looking for that kind of peace in all kinds of things in the world, and they're never going to find it. There's only one you can, way you can find it, and that is through the God of peace. And you can have the peace of God, not just peace from God. But did you get that? I mean, every word of the Bible is inspired. It's important. Peace of God. He says, which surpasses understanding. The peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your Hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So in, right there, he's talking about your heart. That is your total being on the inside, your mind, your will, and your emotion. And, and the word translated minds there means even your thoughts. That he will help guard even our thoughts. I don't know about you, but I need this. I need the peace of God standing guard over my total self. Uh, and so most of life's battles are won or lost uh, in your mind. Either you're going to control your thoughts or they're going to control you. 
Last week, we talked about setting our minds to be controlled by the Spirit. Remember in Romans chapter 8, talked about you know, setting the mind on the things of the Spirit instead of the things of the flesh, right? If you didn't get it, you can go back and listen to it. But it's very important because our minds, we talked about how our minds, uh, we make decisions that can set our will. And then our will and our mind can control our emotions. All this is part of us. So here's the deal. If I am allowing... Because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and I'm allowing his presence in me, the Holy Spirit. If I'm allowing the Spirit of God to lead my mind, okay, my mind controls my will. I can make choices with his strength and help. I can set my will. And then with my will, I make decisions and I can control my emotions. And if all of these control what my body does and what my mouth says, then guess what? My whole self's going to be under his control. Okay? So the Spirit of God who lives in my spirit is controlling my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. See, too many of us, it's our physical self and our flesh is in control. Right? So we had a, a busy weekend. And you wake up and you stayed up too late. Then you lost an hour of sleep. And then... You're just like, man, I don't feel like getting up. Your body says, we ain't getting up. And you just stay there. Maybe some of you that are watching from home, this might have happened this morning. I don't know. I'm not trying to be like prophetic or anything. I'm just, just you know, just saying, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, the way God designed, and that's the way usually, usually it happens. The way we feel in our flesh, it controls, you know, how our emotions are. And then that makes our decisions and all of that. But what he wants to do is for the spirit of God who lives in our spirit. Once we were spiritually dead, but once we're saved, we're made spiritually alive and his presence living in us. And the Holy Spirit's going to be using his word to guide us. Okay, so now what happens is the spirit of God is controlling my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. And then my soul is controlling my body. So I don't have to be a slave to what I feel. I don't have to be a slave to the flesh. So I wake up this morning and it's like. Beep, beep, beep. I'm like, already? What's the deal? And then my body says, nah, lay here. We're just going to stay here. And my mind says, that sounds like a good decision. And my emotions say, hey, that feels like that would be nice. Then the Holy Spirit stirs me a little bit. Right? And so like, you're listening to your body. And so my mind says, we need to get up because folks are probably going to expect me to be there. I can't dial it in like some of you do. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then it says, like, you, you need the fellowship. You need, God says, you need to gather with other brothers and sisters. And you need what I'm going to do in your life. Because part of what I'm going to do in your life is through them. And so my will says, okay. Boys, we're making a decision here. We're getting our feet on the floor. And my motion says, all right. Even though I don't feel like it, I can do it. And I got up out of bed. And I got the coffee going. And I'm glad I did. So you see, one way, you know, the flesh controls, but God designed it so that the Spirit of God is controlling our soul, our mind, our will, our emotion, which controls our body. Our whole self is under His control. So remember, remember this. Here's our thought, and it comes from our study. And this is it. That... I think uh, we need to look at all of these again. 
There it is. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Now, our brains are so distracted today, a little bit tired. So that's why I want you to see it as well as hear it. I'm going to use every tool I can use to help get the point across from God's word. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think shapes who we are. That's why he talks about the renewing of our mind in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Uh, as we go through this study and in the small groups, we're going to see that even science and psychology are beginning to catch up with what the Bible had already said uh, thousands of years ago about renewing our mind and how that, that God wants to reshape and retrain us so that we think differently and act differently. Solomon said thousands of years ago, and it's recorded in Proverbs 23, 7, that as a person thinks in their heart, that's the way they really are. They may be saying one thing if you look at the context of that passage, but what they're thinking in their heart, that's the real them. Uh, And so the life that we have is a reflection of what and how we think. And in changing our lives, it makes sense then that God would need to change our minds and renew our minds. Watch this. I should have put this up there so you see it. Changing our minds. Change our mind. Put in parentheses, repentance. Because that's what repentance is. It involves a turning, a change. Flipping that switch to him controlling instead of me. Repentance is more than just being sorry that I sinned. It involves that. And confessing the sin, it involves that. But it involves a turning, a change. So in changing our mind, and then in renewing our mind, put in parentheses, sanctification. You've got repentance and sanctification. Those are two theological words if you're getting deep in Bible study that you could tack on there because that's exactly what it is. He begins to set us apart and make us different than what we were and we think different. So I have to ask the question. You've got to ask the question. Let's all ask this question to ourselves. Here's the question. Do I like right now the direction in life that my thoughts and my decisions are taking me? Do I like it? If not, don't let the devil lie to you any longer. God has an answer. And he's got the power. You can't do it yourself. But what he's going to do is going to involve you. You are involved. So here's what our, 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 our goal is. Just to expose the lies that we believe with the light from scripture. With the light from scripture shining on it, we're going to expose lies that maybe we don't even want to see. And sometimes it can be painful to see. But they're there. And then with God's help, we want to remove the lies. And if you're going to remove the lies, if you create a vacuum, if we, as we're going to see, it'll just suck them right back in. So we've got to replace the lies with God's truth. And that's what this is all about. God wants to transform. God, Listen, God wants to not just renew, but involved in that, as we're going to see, is transforming our minds. You can't do it without his power and presence. But as I said, it also involves your participation. I want God to just do this. Make me new. And God says, I got the power and my presence is with you, but you're going to have to participate. And there's some decisions you're going to have to make because he's not going to force his will, his image on us. In other words, if we want to live a life that's a lie, if we want to live a life that is in bondage, you can choose to do that. But that's not God's will for you. That's not what he wants. 
And we can allow God to, to renew our mind and change the whole course of many things in our life by saturating our minds and our hearts with his unchanging truth so that his thoughts become our thoughts. That's not natural because I'm a sinner, but guess what? It begins to happen as we grow in Christ. So there's three, three words I want to throw at you this morning as we go through this. Are you ready? So the first one is expose. Okay, that kind of comes from you know, what we're talking about there. Expose. We need to expose the lies, and expose ourselves to God's truth. The light of Scripture is what it takes to expose the lies that need to be identified. See, you cannot defeat what you cannot identify and define. We just kind of go through life oblivious. We just go through life in Bolivia. I mean, we go through life oblivious to the truth about us. And exposing the lies we may be hanging on to about ourselves, about God, about each other, about life. You can't defeat, and this comes from our study, small group study. You cannot defeat what you cannot identify and define. What is the enemy telling you? What's he telling you? See, see if any of this sounds vaguely familiar to anyone. You know, you just can't trust people. You've been burned. But you say you can never ever trust any people. How about this one? You'll never succeed. And you say, no, I'm going to try to be positive. And then the devil just says, oh, yeah, let me remind you of these failures. There you go. Down in the dumps again. You're always going to be broke and in debt. And you just believe that and give in to it. Nothing ever changes. I've tried before and it didn't change. You're never going to have a good marriage. Be like one couple said, you know, we said till death do us part. We really don't want a divorce now. We're just trying to outlive each other. <laughs> That's a joke, but some people it may be a little more true than not. And we'll tell you it's a lie. It doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter how much junk is in the past. The Lord can renew and change and transform. How about this one? God just doesn't hear my prayers. You know, I prayed about something, nothing. Or the exact opposite happened. Uh, or, or like this, like, I'll never make a difference. You know, I really want to, I really care, but it just seems like, I, okay, forgive me, Lord. I this is one I struggle with a lot. It's like, you feel like you never make a difference or you're never gonna amount to anything. And, and so, so how do we battle in our mind? You could fill in, you know, we could talk about that in some of our small group about what are some of the things, if you feel safe enough to share it, you know, that I battle with about me. I am worthless. I am no good. God can't use me. It could go on and on. And, and we keep trying the same ways to try to, to survive and work our way through it. And you remember the classic definition of insanity is we keep doing the same things over and over and over again, but we expect different results. It doesn't happen. Something's got to change. And God wants to, to help us change it. And um, so we want to expose the lies. We want to expose these things. And we want to expose ourselves to God's truth. Now, James tells us, as far as our failures and our temptations, he tells us that we're all tempted when we're drawn away. You remember this scripture in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15? It says, but each person is tempted when he is lured. I like the way the ESV uh, renders this. Is lured and enticed by his own desire. Another word for desire is lust. Then desire... 
when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. That's, that's, the only, that's the only way that ends. That's where that road goes, okay? But did you notice that there are, there are times i got to realize there's a part of me that is sinful. There's that sin nature. And even though I'm a new creature, I'm still living in the flesh. But I don't need to be controlled by the flesh because the flesh has selfish desires. Now, when we use the word lust, we tend to think of like sexual desires. But it is that. Because that's a central and real thing, but it's more than that. It's just selfish, sinful, prideful, greedy desires. That's lust. That's what that is. And so, sometimes I blame the devil. But the devil honestly watches me and he uses my own desires that I already have. Okay? So if I'm on a diet and you're going to try to tempt me to eat something that's not on my diet, which, by the way, I'm not on a diet right now. But anyway, if you put a nice, perfectly grilled ribeye steak in front of me, I'm going to struggle. Oh, oh or, 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 or apple pie. Oh, remember Marie Helsley's apple pie? Anybody? Hot apple pie with ice cream melting on top of it. I'm getting, my mouth's watering now. Excuse me, I need to stop and swallow. Okay. That would be a temptation because I desire those things. But if you slap down a plate of liver, I'm not going to be tempted to break my diet. Okay. And some of you liver lovers out there, fine. It just never happened for me. Tastes like metal. Okay, and I grew up, you know, mom and dad, you know, my mom and dad were raised with people, were raised by people who uh, grew up during the depression. Can I get a witness from anybody? Yeah, and you don't waste food, you don't waste food, you know, and so mommy, you got to eat, you know, we, we, we butchered our own stuff a lot of it, except, you know, well, hogs, but not beef, but anyway, but whatever you had, you had to eat everything, right? There's going to come, it's coming to you liver night. It's happening. And, and my folks were not the type that, oh, son, you don't like liver? Oh, God, just put you a microwave hot dog. We didn't even have a microwave. Couldn't put a hot dog in there. You're going to eat what we're going to eat, or are you going hungry? In fact, Dad wouldn't let us have, Mom made dessert. You know, anyway, that's another thing. But um, you can't have dessert if you don't clean your plate, right? And then soda. Dad would only, and there was a time I can remember a rule. See, they've gotten to be old people. They don't remember all these rules that they had. They they think, oh, you know, they're great grandparents now. They don't remember being so tough. But, but it's like this. It's like um, you can't have pop. You're going to have so many, so many Cokes. We just called everything Coke where I grew up. You know, there was all kinds of Coke. There was orange Coke. There was Pepsi Coke. But it was all not pop or soda. It was just Coke. All right. So anyway, you can only have so many a week. But you can't have any if you don't clean your plate. Now I eat everything in sight. And that's my folks' fault because they made me. I developed taste for everything except liver. I could eat it. I can. But it's not temptation. If you grind up some concrete and say, here, I'm not going to be tempted to eat that. Right? So do you see what we're saying? Your temptations go along with the desires that you already have. And here's what God wants to do. God wants to so rewire the pathways and even the neural pathways in our mind that he begins to even change our desires. 
It's going to be a whole lot easier to be pure and to be faithful and to be loving if, if that's what I desire more than the other things. Desire. It gets down into what Wayne calls your want to, right? It's your want to. See, the problem is, is we say it, but we really don't want to be what God wants us to be very badly. And he wants to rewire our desire. Now, we're going to have to deal with the flesh. We're going to have to battle the flesh. But this is part of this renewing your mind and making us new. Now, Satan can shove thoughts into your mind. Yeah, I know he can. But he's not going to use something that you don't desire. But as my desires begin to change, he's pretty efficient. He doesn't waste time with things that don't work. Resist the devil. You remember what James also told us in chapter 4? Resist the devil. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. First of all, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Now, he'll be back, but he's not going to waste time on something that doesn't work. My thing is, is as I've grown in one area, he finds another area. And, but, you know, that keeps going. As we, it, life, life shouldn't be boring, should it? Because there's still work that needs to be done. Amen? And, and is that still true when you're like 95 years old, Daryl? It's still true. So life should never get boring. Your Christian life should never be boring. And, and you know, as you grow, you get closer to the Lord and life just is more awesome. So Satan may shove these thoughts into you and these ideas, but it's up to you. You still have a will that God gave you. You make a decision on what you're going to do or not going to do. See, I want to tell you again, Satan does not have the power to make you do anything. People say, well, the devil made me do it. You know what I call that? Remember? Haven't said it in a while. I'm going to say it. Here it comes. Here it comes. That's Flip Wilson theology. How many of you remember Flip Wilson? <laughs> Flip used to do this character called Geraldine. Remember Geraldine? And always the devil made me do it. That's not biblical. That's Flip Wilson. Okay? So when we're going all blaming all this on the devil, we said the devil made me do it. The devil said, going, ah, 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 yeah. you pretty much gave me every tool I need to work with, right? <sighs> Martin Luther, it was, in the 1500s said, concerning bad thoughts, he said this, you may not be able to stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. That's the way with, he, was, he was using the illustration of bad thoughts. You may not be able to keep them from flying across your mind, but you don't have to let them make a nest. Okay, you got some decisions to make. So we've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. And here's what the Spirit of God, the very presence of God so we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're not just talking about some force. We're not just talking about some mystical thing. We're talking about God. We're talking about God the Spirit. Not an it. It's a he. He's a he, okay? He, God the Spirit. He's the Spirit of truth. He's the Spirit of Christ. He's the Spirit of the Almighty God. He is God's presence living inside you. And so the Holy Spirit is going to empower you. And he's always going to use the word that he has authored. The Holy Spirit using the word of God. So if you're not going to submit to the spirit. And if you're not going to be saturated, saturated with the word of God. Then you're, not, you're, you're, you're short circuiting yourself. So that's why we need this. And you think about how much input we get from everything else in our culture and our world. And hey, I want to just tell you something. I just kind of expect our culture to be pagan. That means absent from God. I just kind of expect our culture to be a bit wicked. I hope that we would have an influence that would turn it the other way. But I just kind of feel like the cues in life that I need that are going to help me, I'm not going to get from popular culture. 
I'm going to need to get it from the Word of God. Okay, And if I'm spending so much time absorbing things from the entertainment industry and from everything else, from our culture, and all that's being input into the computer of my mind, and I'm very little of the Word of God, which one's going to have more influence over me? Right? See, and that's part of our problem. The Spirit of God using the Word of God to expose the lies. And I constantly am in this book and praying and being honest before God and trying to read it. And I try to, the devil will try to help you rationalize and justify so many things that it just right here it clearly says there's no interpreting. It clearly says what it means and means what it says. And I'm constantly coming to things and say, you know, my attitude, my thoughts, my actions don't, don't, don't measure up. Don't match that. Lord, I need to change. And getting to that point that I recognize it and I quit justifying it and rationalize it and I recognize it right there it is and the Holy Spirit convicts me and I realize, Lord, I need to change. This is true of me. That's confession. Did you know the word confess your sins? That word confess means to agree together. It's what it, you know, it's not like God's not up there and you confess something. It was like, oh, I can't believe that about you. He already knew. You're not telling God anything he doesn't know. What you're doing is you are agreeing together with what he wants you to know. That is the truth. And so as I do that and I'm like, Lord, and I put myself there, Lord, I know I need to change. Will you help me? And show me what I must do for this change to happen. Change, that's repentance. That's what happens when you genuinely repent. And then as you're going on, he begins to continue to make you more pure and more holy, sanctified as this change happens. There are certain things you're going to need to do. There are certain things we may need to stop doing. There may be certain things you need to stop listening to or watching or looking at. You know what I'm saying? There are a lot of things like that. And he'll guide you in that. But if you're not willing to participate, then you, nothing's going to happen. See, you can't just, you've you got to have the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to expose. I'm spending a lot more time on this first point than I meant to. But, but I've already got a plan to hurry up on the rest of it. Because I know we're going to talk about it some more tonight. And some of you are going to get together in small groups and, at homes and things. And you can talk about it even more, right? So, so let's, are you ready? Buckle your seatbelt, let's keep going, all right? So expose the lies and expose us to the truth. I got to rely on the word of God and the Holy Spirit. You wanna know why? Because my natural detection system is flawed by sin. I've gotta realize I'm a sinner and I've got that sin nature and it's still gonna keep working on me. Okay, this is what I'm telling you. This is why you can't say, well, I think you just have to follow your heart, Right? You know, the heart wants what the heart wants. Just, just follow your heart. Be true to yourself. Be true to yourself? Man, if I was true to the real self, that's my selfish me, I'd be a tyrant. You better pray we don't be true to ourselves because self is wicked. That's why he says we die to self. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But it's not just me living. It's Christ living in me. Right? Galatians 2.20. Okay. Uh, I like that. You know, you get in the word of God. All of a sudden, you can remember something like that. And, and you can put the verse in there. Galatians 2.20. It's like the weapon we need. And here's what Jeremiah said about the heart. New King James renders this this way. Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You don't even really know 
how bad your heart is. So, you know, I, I don't need to just follow my heart. I need to follow the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Okay? I'm going to keep yelling, I guess, because I, I know this is true. Um, Solomon said, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it feels so right. How could this be so wrong when it feels so right? But he said, the end is the way of death. Woo! That don't sound so good. So I can't just follow my feelings. I can't just follow my, my detection system is flawed. If I don't have the word of God and the spirit of God, I'm not going to detect and expose the lies in my life. And the best counter weapon that we have is the truth. The only offensive weapon listed in the armor of God in Ephesians 6 is what? The sword of the spirit, the word of God. So here's what we need to do. Pinpoint the lies that we're believing and begin to replace them with God's truth. That's the replacement principle that's in our study. Only the truth can set you free. So I have to ask myself, what am I feeding my mind? So is it exposed? But then, real quick, are you ready? Here we go. Once you expose, you must engage. Because I can know stuff, and I can know stuff that's true about me, but I've got to engage in this battle. There's a battle going on, and the enemy has a strategy but you have to engage if you're going to have victory. You're going to have to do that. Now, you remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, here's what Paul says. He says in verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, that is, we live in the flesh, we are not, what do you mean? We're right here, I'm flesh, yep, I'm right here. Even though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Not just following my natural abilities. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Some render that mighty through God. It's divine power. It's God's dunamis. It's dy- that's the word we get dynamite from in our English language. It is divine power to destroy strongholds. Destroy strongholds. The weapons we have have divine. It's the, what we say last week. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Lives in us. Amen. So why am I such a loser at times? Well, it's not his fault. It must be. And it's not your fault, even though I'd like to blame you. But it's my fault. I've got to take ownership of that. I have to engage. We're in a spiritual warfare. And uh, so just knowing the truth is not enough. We've got to engage and bring down the strongholds. And he says we destroy strongholds. That word for destroy could be translated demolish. And the thing is, if you believe a lie long enough, you get to, to the point that you're impacted by that lie as if that lie were true. If you believe a lie long enough, you will be impacted by the lie as if it were true. You get stuck in a rut. And in our study, it gives this illustration that, and, and this is true in, in our family, that uh, my great-grandma and grandpa, my granny and gramp, lived right next to us, just what, within about 60 yards away, their house. And um, in, all through my childhood, granny and grandpa were right there, and me, mom, and papa were down the hill, and mamma was just a few miles away, you know, and uncles and aunts and everybody. That's why I could never get by with anything. People were watching me. But it was so great having granny and gramp. Granny and Gramp, wow, born in the early part of the 1900s and raised my papa during the Depression. But just being that, having that connection, I had a connection with that generation because of them. 
You know, when I was a kid, Gramps still plowed the garden with the old mule, you know, and Granny made lye soap in that big old black pot, you know, and hey, homemade hominy. Okay, well, anyway, I'm, I'm getting distracted here. But anyway, from our house, to, we would go back and forth across the yard from our house to their house. I would be over the time. I got in less trouble over at Granny's. Uh, granny was the one who could, she could handle me. I would usually end up sitting by Granny at church. I got into less trouble that way. Granny knew how to handle me. She did. And uh, not that others didn't, but, but anyway, I would go back and forth uh, to Granny's and... Um, not that Meemaw wasn't special because if they're listening up in heaven, Meemaw would be saying, what about me? But anyway, I'm sorry, but <laughs> you'd have to know him. Many of you did know him. Some of you did know him. Okay. But we go back and forth so much. Guess what we did? We went over the same patch of ground hundreds of times. Guess what it did? It wore a path. It wore a path. And over the years, it not only wore a path, but it's a little bit, you know, then it in. And, and even though Grandpa and Granny have gone on to be with the Lord a long time ago, so me, Mom, Papa, ma'am, all of them are with the Lord. I'm going to see them again. Amen. But here's the thing. It's still part of my life. And I think about that. And now Dad still trudges back and forth. My brother has some of his business and some of the stuff out there. The old dairy barn was out there. The old hay barns and the old cow lot and things like that. Basketball goal was out there. But anyway, uh, but they, they, we just wore that path. Right, And so if you were to do that in your yard, you would begin to wear a path. Here's what happens in our mind. Uh, is that if I, if I think something that's not true, if in my mind I think on a lie for, for you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks, month, two months, 40 days, I begin to think on that lie. What's going to happen is, is it creates a path what they call a neural pathway in my brain. And I start to believe the lie. And there are a lot of paths like that in our brains. And, you know, scientists can even see these neural connectors and things in our brain. There are some of your neural connectors that are really strong in some areas of lies and of bad thinking and bad behavior. But see, what God begins to do is we're going to get into maybe in the weeks ahead as, as he begins to renew our mind. See, it's just like, it's just like um, even any skill that you have, uh, you know, where basketball is still on our minds here. And now we're getting into March Madness. And, you know, we're going to have it this year, man. Good. Let's all pray it goes on and all that. But anyway, the thing about it is, 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 you know, if I go out on a basketball court, you know, my brain's like, can we remember we used to do this, man? We used to do this. But whenever I try to do something, something happens. The neural connectors, the pathways have weakened between the part of my brain that knows here's what you do and the muscles that actually have to do it and they've changed and everything's changed and so the thing is is that if you don't use it you lose it that's what we want to learn is that there are some areas that we really struggle in but you're going to find that as God begins to rewire you some of those things won't be as bad because because those pathways even in our brain in our mind begin to get weaker and he begins to strengthen those that line up with his truth and so this is part of what he's talking about here and part of what we're going to get into later on is that I can create a new neural pathway in my brain in my whole brain so when he talks about renewing our mind it's our mind and even our brain begins to change as we study it. And these lies are like strongholds in our mind. The word for stronghold is, is one that means a fortress. And a fortress is a place where the enemy gets a place where he has a fortress and he begins to launch more attacks in your life from that point. In fact, he says this in verse 5. He says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to Christ. That's what it is. There are arguments. There are lofty opinions. There are speculations that cause us to have pride and exalt ourselves. And they too must be cast down by the truth of God's word and the power of his spirit. This battle requires every thought to be captured. 
and brought to be obedient to Jesus Christ. That's what he wants to do. And Paul says, that's what can happen. I need that to happen. How about you? All right. So this is why we need his help with renewing our mind. You can't use human logic and reasoning to expose and defeat these strongholds. We need his power to destroy. And remember that word destroy means to totally demolish. He didn't say that we are to control them, contain them, or tame them. He said demolish them. There's too many of these strongholds that I've just tried to make negotiations with instead of destroying and demolishing. And so you say, I don't have the strength. True. You don't have the strength, but are you using all the strength available to you? There was a dad one time and his son was out helping him work in the yard and he came to this big rock and he said, son, I want you to use all your strength and you move that rock. He said, dad, I can't. He said, no, all your strength, Lord, or son, he said, all the strength that's available to you, I want you to move that rock. And the boy gets down there and he tugs and he pushes and he grunts and he gets mad and he, he can't do it. And he tries again and then he gets mad and kicks the rock. Then he hops around because he hurt his foot. And then he finally just sits down and throws a fit and says, I can't do it, dad. And dad walked over and he squatted down and he picked up the rock and he threw it out of the way. And he looked at him and he says, you didn't use all the strength available to you, son. You never asked me to help you. My strength is always available to you. You know what? There are some mountains that need to be moved. You can't move them. Only he can. And so many times we try in our own wisdom and our own strength and you've never asked him. So yes, you don't have strength in yourself, but you have the strength available through him. Okay, the last thing is experience. So we have, we have um, these things that God wants us to, to begin to do. We, we not only um, begin to expose the lies, right? Uh, but we engage the enemy and then we're going to experience. Did you notice after he said about what to think on, he says, he says, practice these things. And if you do that, the peace of God will be with you. You're going to experience victory. You're going to experience victory. Now, he says that the best way to allow the peace of God to guard your mind is to do what he's talking about here. Watch this. In order to get rid of the bad thoughts, we must push them out with good and godly thoughts. So this is making new pathways in my mind. So instead of dwelling on the negativity, instead of dwelling on the selfish and the lustful and the impure and the wicked or whatever, I need to think on these things. This is a decision you make because you can't just say, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about that. And listen, guys, especially if you're thinking, I'm not going to look at pornography. I'm not going to go to that website. You're already thinking about it. What you've got to do is fill your mind with the good. So it pushes the bad out. And he begins to rewire your desires so you don't desire that which is actually harmful for you and can destroy you. We've got to push them out with the good and the godly. These things, things that are true. The truth of God. We've got a whole lot more that we need to say about the truth of God. God wants to transform us. And he wants to expose the deception. And he says that, that Satan is the father of all lies. Things that are true. We must be in the word. Things that are honorable. And the word honorable is a word that means something that, something that is honest. 
uh, something that is reverent. It includes honesty, not limited to it. Are my thoughts dwelling on what is honorable or dishonorable? Does it involve honesty or dishonesty and deception? Things that are just. That means things that are right. Things that are lined up with what God wants. Things that are right. Righteous. Am I thinking about those things or do I rarely think about those things? He goes on to say things that are pure. Am I saturating my mind and thinking and dwelling on things that are pure, things that are holy? You can't remain pure if you're filling your mind with impure things. You're poisoning yourself. And the poison makes you sick and feel horrible. But you keep going back to it. You got to stop it. Think on these things and God will change your desires. Once you begin to feel what that freedom is like and you feel what that victory is like, you don't want to go back. You don't want to be that way. You want more of him. He says things that are lovely. Things that are lovely. Those are good, pleasing things that invoke love and not selfishness and division and hate. These are things that he wants us to dwell on. Don't dwell on sour, negative things. Don't become crabby, ill-tempered. Focus on things that are lovely. And he says, commendable. Commendable or admirable, some render it. Things that are of good report, that are respected by the whole world at large. Positive things. And then he goes on to say, anything that is excellent or praiseworthy. He doesn't give us a full list. Things that are excellent. So he's saying, it will change you if you focus on these things. Focus on the word of God. We're not just to think, but I like the New King James says, meditate on these things. That is, keep chewing it. Digest it. Don't just read it and lay it aside. Oh, that's good. We've got to focus in. This is the winning strategy. If you're going to get rid of all the negative and all the bad and all the lies, they've got to be exposed by God's truth. We've got to engage the enemy, realizing that our weapons are not fleshly, but are mighty through God. To the pulling down of those strongholds and those lofty thoughts that raise themselves up. Take every thought captive. And then we begin to experience something totally different as we do this. And you go through that list. And there's more work to be done on this message. As you go through that list and you begin to think about and you begin to get into scripture. And you begin to absorb these positive things. You're going to find God is renewing your mind. You're going to find that he's rewiring your desires. You're going to find that you love God more and you desire him more. And you're going to find that you actually love yourself more. Not that you become selfish, but you're okay with who you are because you're who you are in Christ. You're going to be able to love those around you who aren't very lovable because your whole focus has changed. You're going to be able to forgive. God's going to use you to bring healing. There's just so much that, wants, that God wants to happen in this, in relationships, in marriages, in ministry, in lives, overcoming addiction, and every kind of addiction that you can imagine. Let's pray together. Father, help.